You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And our guest today is Lance Hill, who runs the Vintage Synthesizer Museum. Hi, Lance. Hello. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Uh, as some of our Noise Extra followers probably know, I came here with Susie Poling, Podblots, uh, a couple weeks ago and had an awesome time and was amazed by all the cool stuff you have. And I wanted to learn more about it. And so that's why we're, we're back here. And uh, we've already done a little wandering. The Connollys got their first look at the place today. What do you think? It's very cool. The <laughs> amount of synths here are insane. I want to touch everything. I'm so distracted right now. Like everywhere you look, you're like, oh, my God, I want to see that. What's that do? Yeah, it's, this is it's really impressive. Cool. And everything is plugged in, turned on. So, again, we were fiddling about uh prior to recording and oh my god this place is amazing yeah so you're here all the time it must have just lost all its wonder to you i'm I'm absolutely bored here (laughs) out out of my mind (laughs) yeah no i mean i i love walking in here every day although like a few years ago i had this set up in a similar configuration like in a warehouse in in oakland where everything was just like along this long wall. And I was also like, I got used to it. And, uh, and I smoked way too much weed with a, a guy I was working with. Like, I don't normally smoke that much. We like smoked a whole joint together. Mm. And I rode my bike back to the studio. I remember walking in there and just being like, oh my God, like what, what's going on in this room? <laughs> <laughs> and I still remember like the way I felt. And I was like, what have I done with my life? Like, what are all these synthesizers doing here? And, uh, and then, but I feel like that's like, you know, like when I, when people walk in, yeah. like, I'm like, I always like flashback to that, <laughs> like walking in that room and be like, what is all this stuff? Yeah, it's easy to miss the trees for the forest yeah. here. I think because you know, as we're talking, I, my eyes keep darting around because, you know, I, I, I didn't notice this entire section of even more synthesizers. <laughs> like, right. It's it's really wild well, um, to to behold. Well, let's ask that question. What the heck is all this stuff? <laughs> Where did it start? What mm-hmm. give us give us the yeah. history, give us the background of how this all came to be. Right. So it all came to be. Basically, well, like the the idea came to be when I had bought a lot of synths from someone on Craigslist. He was like selling maybe like ten synthesizers. Mm-hmm. And and about what year is this? Uh probably like two thousand. Um, probably like around two thousand seven, maybe. Okay. And I had a couple synths already so like i had my two synths it would have been like a yamaha cs20m and a sequential circuits profit 600 fantastic synth yes mm-hmm. maybe you had one other thing i can't remember but uh but i bought this like lot of synths from this dude and at the time i was renting part of this guy's house so i had like my bedroom and then i had another room that was like my studio recording rehearsal space and so i bought these synths and then the rehearsal space was turned into like you know this little synth museum and I remember I had a couple friends over and they were just like, you know, whoa, this is so cool. And I was like, this is so cool. You know, that would be really cool to just have a studio that was all vintage synths. And yeah. And, and so also at that time and kind of through that, I got into like buying and selling and refurbishing since I wasn't doing all the refurbishing. Um, I was doing some small bits of that, but, um, but a lot of buying and selling and through that, I was just like, I've got an opportunity here where I could do this. And it just, you know, I was in the Bay area, seemed like a cool thing to do and, and a possible thing to do. Yeah. It's, it's wild to think it started with a, a lot of synths, but there's a lot of synths here. Like there's, it's, <laughs> it's wall to wall synthesizers. I mean, yeah. Every rack is next to another rack and they all have like four synths on them on average, not including like the shelves and the tables and the sort of other stuff around and the standalone, the roads or something like the Wurlitzer. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you begin when you come in here as a, as a visitor? Well, that is like the really common question 
that I hear all the time when people walk in, they always say, I don't know where to begin. And I mean, not to be smart, Alec, but if I were paying to be here by the hour, I would think about what I wanted to do before I came in. I'd have like a plan. Um, but cause, cause like you said, it is, it's like hard to see the trees for the forest, you know, like you come in here, it's like this big, you know, just all this stuff, you know, it's not like, you know, well, there's a CS 80. I'm going to like put down three chords, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to loop that. And then I'm going to do, you know, some weird stuff in time with that, with the surge, you know, like, you know, like it's hard to, to, to start, like, I don't know. You know, if, if you're not used to working in here, it can be a lot. People come in here and they're overwhelmed all the time. I mean, I was overwhelmed yeah, when I walked in. Yeah, it's like a kid in a candy <laughs> shop, too, because, you know, you might have a plan, but you're like, I want to play with everything. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think about that. But Yeah, but but you were, <laughs> you, you, you seemed to be smart. Like, you, you came in, you looked around, and then you just got on the synthy for like, you know, 45 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that, that's what I would do. Like, because, I mean, the other part of the thing here is like, it's there's so many deep, deep synthesizers in here. Um, and, and people generally like come here for like, you know, probably average like two hours. I mean, mostly all, all of these things deserve more than two hours just alone. So. I mean, yeah, the, I feel like if, if I sat down at the cat for two hours, I would barely figure out how to like send the modulation around on it and stuff, you know, like there's so many, the synthy, I have no idea how it works. I was, flying blind and guessing on that thing and having a great time and right also i feel like there's a lot of cool records i've heard where whoever was using it was also doing that same thing of like i don't know what the hell this is doing but it sounds good and i'm having fun and that's that was the other thing is like it's a lot of fun to come here because you can see the yamaha cs80 which i think we talked about when i came in of like this has to be one of the the main things people gravitate towards because it's they're incredibly rare and also very like legendary well-known you know I mean, Blade Runner, right? That's right. the first thing I think everyone thinks of. And so, well, I want to play the Blade Runner synth. Right. <laughs> what are the other, like, starting points you see people gravitate towards when they come here? All, all the 8s, the the CS80, the Jupiter 8, the TR-808, and the OB-8, I think are, like, all common starting points. But, uh, you know, and then people love the electric pianos two and like i was mentioning they've all all three of them two roads one Wurlitzer, have all been totally refurbished by a guy right up the street who's a total electric piano professional gold state electric pianos um yeah they feel good the tension is perfect mm-hmm. yeah, yeah they feel great sound great mm-hmm. it's crazy and yeah we should note that the the thing about when you come here is yes you can book by the hour and record here mm-hmm. so that to, to the to have access to this is really incredible. Now, how do people record or do they do you suggest they bring their own uh own recording setup? Do you offer that here? How does that work for people who want to come here and record? So it can work several different ways. The the like default way is everything's going into one of six mixers. And then the main left-right output of each of those six mixers is routed to the Universal Apollo 16. So using 12 of the 16 inputs. Um, so we just have, you know, just the the main output of those mixers going here. And then the Apollo is routed to a laptop. So, you know, you can use our laptop and dump your files, or you can bring your own laptop if you've got the um, Universal Audio drivers on it. Just plug, plug it into your computer. Then you've got everything routed into your computer. We've got there's there's monitors at each mixer, and then there's also these separate monitors for the computer. Um, and it's very easy to record here. And also, when Susie and I were here, we were playing different synths and things on different stations. Exactly. And they record to separate tracks, so Susie can record while I'm recording, or <sighs> and we're, it's not. There's no crosstalk. There's no. We're getting a mix of our jam or whatever. We're just individually doing different, completely different things, and. If you want to have headphones on or something while you're at a station, you can do that. So it's not bleeding through or whatever. Right. 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 And that was, that's really cool. It's really easy to just like Lance, just hit a button and (laughs) we were recording. It was no problem. Right. Yeah. So I've got templates that are just six stereo tracks. If you just armed all six of those tracks, you just record everything. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's super convenient, but 
that being said, it's also flexible at each mixer. There's a patch bay where you can individually tap the synths uh, pre-mixer. So if you brought, you could have six people in here with their own interfaces, you know, each individually recording on their own computers if you wanted to do that. And then there's also a patch bay where you can tap the mixers pre-Apollo. And so you could sit here at this table and have everything going to, you know, if you want to use a different interface, you could have another one set up here. So it's set up really to just like any way you want to do it. And it, and it's easy, you know, it's set up to be convenient to do any of these things. Has it always been like that when you, when you built this place out, was that the no. plan? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, I remember like, like one of the first people, uh, like the first person I had over to record that I was like real excited about was um, Derek. Uh, he's got a project called Headboggle. Oh, yeah. 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 Shout out to Derek. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember like when he came over, like nothing. I don't even know if I had anything going into mixers. It was just like the idea was just like, here's all these synths, you know, bring your computer and your interface and, and just, you know, plug directly from the synth into your, your interface. And so that was like almost 10 years ago. So it's just evolved. Uh, you know, so it's just, a you know, the whole studio is just a feedback loop between me and the people coming in, just yeah. trying to make it more efficient and just, you know, the studio, you can just walk in within five minutes of recording. You know, well, that's the thing about it. The The name Vintage Synthesizer Museum is a bit of a misnomer because mm -hmm. these aren't museum pieces. They are, a lot of them are in actually like immaculate shape, like your MS-20 puts mine to shame. It's so, <laughs> so beaten, so haggard. And you should see the one that he let us. Borrow. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> but it's not a museum. This is this is a recording studio. And these are you can play and put your hands on everything. So you're not here looking at something. You're you're here. You can touch every knob on every synth. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. In the Bay Area, there's a pinball museum and and that that I would go to and frequent. And actually the guy who started the pinball museum is actually a big synthesizer dude too. Awesome. He's been doing since, <laughs> since like the seventies. And in my mind, I was like, I was like, Oh, people will make the connection. Like, cause it, it cause it is a lot of historical pieces for sure. You know, it's a lot of history, but it is not a museum, but, but at the pinball museum, you go play pinball. And, and right. my, my thing is, you know, people will make the connection, you know, like, you know, if you're weird enough to want to know about the synth museum, then you probably know about the pinball museum was, was my thinking. <laughs> and, 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 and like, and you'll make that connection that you come to the synth museum to play synths, just like you go to the pinball museum to play pinball. So that was part of the thing. And then, and then I think I had it open for like a year before I put up like a social media account for it. And as soon as I did, like within a week, some like producer, like the local ABC station was a synth nerd and he saw it and he's like, Hey, we're going to send somebody over and do a story on, um, on your place. And they did. And then pretty much from there, it's just like, just got like a lot of like unsolicited press yeah, uh, in the Bay area because it was called the synth museum. And also like got to work with like the Berkeley art museum and the California Academy of sciences mm -hmm. and this and that and da, da, da. And I feel like if museum wasn't in the name that, that these opportunities wouldn't have arisen. And it's so hard to like, once you're like to like rebrand something. Yeah. And, and, and so, and I assume like moving to LA that like that, like getting like free press would like carry over, but it has not, I've gotten like <laughs> zero local press. And if I had known that I would get no press moving down here, I totally would have renamed the place or like rebranded it. I don't know. Or maybe I couldn't, you know, because of like social media, it's also just kind of yeah. stuck there as well. But, uh, you need yeah. something that conveys all access. I know yeah. I, I, I really do. Yeah. People are always like, Oh, you should add, the word like interactive to it or something and you know i probably should once you said there's a lot of historical pieces here i mean as a as a museum and as a place you can come play things what's the oldest piece of gear in here i don't know like exactly like what is older than what but like the earliest model of synth that's in here is the eml 200 okay i think it's 1967 all right wow. 
And what's the newest, most recent piece of like synthesizer equipment? Obviously, you have some like nice effects and like quadroverb and, you know, sort of 90s uh, rack effects for processing as well. Yeah, I think that uh, Ekdal Polygamist is okay. the, um, and I think that's like around 2010. All right. So there's no cutoff in terms of what you want to put in here? I mean, I'm not like a purist at all. I just, you know, it's funny, you know, to be like, oh, I'm on a li limited budget. But I mean, I've built this up over a decade, you know, like I don't have infinite, you know, money. So it's just like, you know, you know, it's yeah. sense. If I if I had like, you know, a, way more money, this would just be like the synthesizer museum. It would just be like everything from Says whenever. every synth lover. Yeah. So it's basically like, 1970 to like 1984 or something is pretty much yeah you know where it's at right but, but anything's fair game if it's a if it's a cool synth then you can come across it i yeah i think so all right but i'd, I'd be much more inclined to in, invest in something like older than i would be to invest in something newer for the studio yeah you have anything on the list that you haven't acquired yet that that's uh screaming out to you no, I mean there's there's things that I wouldn't mind adding to the studio for myself, you know. But that's all. I mean, it's almost kind of fetishy. Like at this point, you know, there's definitely nothing like I want to put in here because like it's going to complete the studio. Right. Like the studio is already too much, <laughs> and, and people are overwhelmed when they come in. Yeah. There's, and there's nothing that people are like. Oh, you should. Like before I had the CS80, people would always be like, "When are you going to get a CS80?" And I was like, "I don't know, maybe never." You know, they're so expensive. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and then lucked into that one. Uh, but there was a CS60 before, which is, you know, almost the same synth. <laughs> it just doesn't have the, the name and the number attached yeah, to it, right? It, it's like half of a CS80, <laughs> but, but way more than half. Do you have your Profit 600 here still somewhere? I have a Profit 600 in my office, but it's not that same okay. one from years ago. Yeah. Now... Uh, for modification, is anything here modified, like uh, MIDI or like that? I know the Glee Glee for the Prophet Six Hundred or something like that. Right. I've 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 Glee Gleed a bunch of Prophet Six Hundreds, but I the one I have currently I haven't. Um, but um, but yeah, there's a few things. I think the OB8 has uh, a newer Tontech MIDI. I just had it when I bought it. I don't even really remember what that even adds. Um, the Prophet 5 has been modified for MIDI. Um, can't remember what else has been. Uh, the Wasp has been modified for, for MIDI. Um, I'm not sure what else has been modified for MIDI, but there's a few, you know, pieces that have factory MIDI. Um, and I've got, uh, I've got a, an, a, a newer full size MS-20 like oh the modern ones they're making the full size right yeah. yeah yeah like they made so they like just came out like a couple of years ago with like it like of like three different colors or something yeah but i want the green one damn it i know <laughs> i know me too but a, a couple of years before that they came out with some like limited edition of black full size ones i got one of those and had my tech in oakland like really mod it like all the mods you yeah. could do for ms20 i was that's what i was using the band i was playing with in, okay in the bay so, I mean, that what does that mean? Pulse with modulation and mm -hmm. uh, what's sync, sync, okay, uh, yeah, uh, audio or like individual oscillator outputs, which we added attenuators to, uh, added a couple like uh, attenuated molts, uh, put in, uh, I guess the ring modulator that's in an MS20 isn't like a proper ring modulator right. circuit. We put in like, like a transistor, I don't know, some kind of a real ring modulator. So, there's two ring mods in it. <laughs> Uh, I can't remember all the mods. I haven't, I've pulled that thing out like once since I've moved <laughs> down here. But Well, you mentioned your office. I, I got to see back there where you have more stuff set up and stuff mm -hmm. that's in the process of being repaired or worked on or, or mm -hmm. kind of figuring out where it lives in the studio. What this all, I mean, as someone that owns a lot of synthesizers myself, maintenance is like an unending thing, especially with 1970s, 1980s gear. How do you handle the maintenance on all this stuff? I, I don't know. Um, like in, in the Bay area, I had several different people that I would take stuff to. Um, in fact, one of them, uh, Greg Montalbano, 
Uh, he's got a website called analogsynthservice.com, but but don't go there. Or if you do, don't dumb that I that you heard about it from me. Is it, he, he he asked me to stop referring people <laughs> to, to him. He's like, it's too much. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> you heard it here, everyone. Don't go to that website. <laughs> right. right. But um, but it, but honestly, like, if it wasn't for him, like this, the whole thing wouldn't have even started. Like the whole thing started mm-hmm. with me buying a broken CS20M, like a hundred bucks, and Greg fixing it for like a hundred or less dollars, and then you know. And then, and then pretty much just like buying every broken synth I could find anywhere <laughs> and then having him or a couple other people fix them. Do you still buy, tend to buy broken synths or do you, are you looking for stuff that's in working order now? Um, I mean, I just don't even buy that many synths yeah. now, but, um, but yeah, I would be looking for stuff in working order. Cause it seems like the market has just gone from stuff that doesn't work sells for almost as much as stuff that does work. Right. I mm-hmm. think there's like way people are way overly optimistic about what they can do. I think it's like I've built a DIY kit. Now, uh, you know, I'm going to troubleshoot like a polysynth. Yeah. You can fix anything. You're right. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, and I definitely like when I do like a, a, a you know, a DIY kit or something or I do a little repair or like I like install Gleegly on a Profit 600. I'm, yeah. I'm like no i'm ready for blah 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 you know i'm not <laughs> no, you know not like i'm not an engineer you don't understand how the circuits work generally like you can no. look so like i'm not i'm i do a lot of my own repairs but it's like simple stuff i can replace capacitors sure i can yeah. do you know like this kind of stuff i just fixed like a very simple issue on their metal zone you know a couple of weeks ago like that kind of stuff's You'll fine you'll be fixing but, our other synth soon well yeah trying <laughs> right i mean i've been soldering for years and i have studied a little bit of electronics but but yeah, I don't have a, a full understanding and uh, anything like that has like directions. I can do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just like any kit. Yeah. 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 You know, but, but as far as like troubleshooting things that I'm not there. Yeah. So you have, you have repair people out here in LA that. No, I don't. No. So this, nothing has really been too, <laughs> too repaired since no, you come out here, but I, I've, I've taken like, like two things to boomer. Okay. Yeah who works out of um, future music, future music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's awesome. He's been great. Actually, one day the a friend and I were in here playing and my friend was playing the Jupiter eight and he was like, Hey, is it supposed to be doing this? And it like stopped working and like lights were like blinking. I was like, no. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was going to leave town a couple days after that. And I called Boomer. I was like, Hey, can I get this to you this weekend while I'm out of town? Cause like Jupiter eight is not a synth. I want not working, you know, right. like that's one of the ones I mentioned, like people come in and want to play that. And, um, and he came over like 15 minutes later and he's around the corner at future well, music, right? It's not far from here. Well, yeah, no, he, he just like picks up and drops stuff off oh, okay. there. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he like works out of there anymore, but, or that's not my understanding, but I don't, I don't know where he was, but he showed up over here really quick, but we figured it out. It was like a really hot day the air conditioner was on and and it was causing this drag. So like he like got the, we've got a multimeter here. We plugged it into the wall socket. It was like 105 volts coming out of the wall. So it's supposed to be 120 volts. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, he was like, yeah, he's like the, the there's, we're not getting enough power out of the wall. And so the five volt rail on the Jupiter eight isn't reaching five volts, which that has to happen to make like the computer turn on, which controls the presets and the whole panel. You know, so if that's not, if that doesn't wake up, right. the synth is not going to work. <laughs> so, so not broken, but just not uh, a power issue, like, yeah, a, yeah, like yeah. an actual issue with the thing, which is great. It's much better than, well, maybe not much better because then you have to deal with your power issue, right? That's true too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we talked about the most used of which the Jupiter 8 is one, all the, all the eights, right? What's mm-hmm. the, what's the least used or least appreciated synth in here? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I think the surge modular, like 10 panel vintage surge modular (laughs) is like pretty intimidating to people (laughs) that doesn't get used a lot. Uh, Maybe the Moog Sonic six that I played that last time I was here and I am going to play it next time I come back because that thing is magical. Yeah. Well, and, and, and stuff like that, 
where it's kind of got like a more open-ended architecture it's just like real easy for people to like you know like turn on a a knob and not know like why it won't stop making sound and so like (laughs) you know like stuff like that like once once somebody gets confused they're just like walk away yeah well you could just walk or touch the next thing the sonic six isn't working you can mess with the gleeman pentaphonic something i (laughs) never even heard about before i walked in here i know a lot of synths i know a lot about synths right but that that piece is a total mystery to me. It's striking. It's beautiful too. It's in like a clear lucite case with clear, round like spherical knobs on it, and yep. a very, very strange preset system. <laughs> yeah, with these like clunky click counter numbers. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen anything like that. No, it's it's awesome. Where where did that piece come from? How did you find out about that? I can't remember where. I, I mean. I'm sure like the internet rabbit hole of synthesizers where I found out about it. But um, it's it's a Bay Area synth, the Gleeman Pentaphonic. And these brothers, the Gleeman brothers, were the ones who designed it, manufactured it. Supposedly, they only made like, you know, I don't know, under 100. And the, there were two versions of it. So this is the clear version. And then there was the black version. The The black version had an internal speaker and an internal power supply. Ooh. The clear version has an external power supply and there's like a... It's like half the size of the synth. I see it down there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And there's like a 50-foot umbilical cord that goes between the synth and the power (laughs) supply. And then there's strap pegs on either side of the synth so you can wear the synth as a keytar. And so the provenance of this one, I got it from this guy in San Jose. He bought it from the Gleeman Brothers. It was originally a black one. When they came out with a clear one, he had them retrofit it into being a clear one. And he wore it on stage with his band in the 80s. That's what he said. That's completely berserk. My Korg MS-20, I bought in 2002, had guitar strap pegs screwed into the side of it. I think I've had an MS-10 maybe that somebody had done this. Or maybe the one I've got back there now does. I I bought it off of a doctor off of like Harmony Central or something. Mm -hmm. And... We, when he sent it, he sent me a, a CDR rip of Klaus Schultz's Dune because it was oh, like a, a CD cool. or an album that inspired him to like make music. And he told me he put the pegs on it because he wanted to be like Edgar Winter. Oh, wow. And I thought that Klaus was Schultz like and Edgar Winter. Yeah. Wow. It's like, all right, I bought a, a good a scent from the right guy. You yeah. Know? Um, I took the pegs off on when I was on tour, actually, in uh, California in 2004, staying at Phil Blankenship's place. It's like, I'm tired of these things being on my synth, so I took them off and I, yeah. I don't hey, have them anymore. it solves the problem of having a stand. It's true. Just wear it. Oh, Just man, maybe it. I'll put them back in. Oh, that that That's the keyboard right there that Edgar Winter was yeah. wearing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a much different thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you got, you, you know, you said you got a couple of synths, you got a, a, a lot of synths, mm-hmm. and that's how it started, but where when did you just start really just immersing yourself in the world of synth was it something you were always super interested in or was it a gradual as you started acquiring the synths all of a sudden you're just in deep uh i don't know like when i was like 18 i got into like home recording and in whatever and got into progressively weirder music and so, of course, like every, everybody I knew who was and everyone I knew was like the same way. You know, we all were in bands or home recorded. You know, we're all into Sonic Youth and Richard Kern movies and, did it, you know, like, you know, just weird shit. Everybody wanted a Moog, you know, or, you know, some kind of bleep bloop synth, but none of us had any money. So I don't know. I always wanted something like that. I, and I, the first one I ever got to use, a, a friend loaned me and my roommate a uh, Moog Prodigy for six months, and we did so much recording with that, and uh, and you know definitely, you know cemented my lust for an analog synthesizer. But it wasn't until I was in the Bay Area that I, I had any money. I was like bartending, so I had some expendable income. But I'm also, even though I had expendable income, I'm always just like super cheap. And uh, so like this whole like, oh, I could buy a synth for a hundred bucks, get somebody to to fix it. And then if, you know, if I ever need to get the money out of it, I could sell it for twice what I've got in it. You know, like that's just, that's how my mind, you know, I can't justify things unless it doesn't make me more poor than I am. <laughs> so 
so yeah, that's just kind of what led into it. And when I was in the Bay, I started, I was probably there for a year and then started like playing out again. I was doing just like kind of a ambient ish thing with like looping guitars and looping synths and stuff. But all I had was like this like cheap Yamaha synth and like a delay pedal. And uh, it wasn't like a real synthesizer. It was just some preset something. And uh, so, and I've been making a bunch of music in the, in the computer with like fruity loops and acid and like, just like sampling myself and like, you know, so I've been doing all this like real electronic music with real, you know, sequencers and a computer. And, uh, and so I also like wanted to take that out of the box and like have like electronics, um, you know, in the real world. So, so yeah, yeah. Having money and needing sense or I needed sense of my mind. <laughs> I, I'm afflicted by that every day. I just need, <laughs> right. I just need synthesizers. Right. Right. But then this, it's incredible collection as it continues to build. Are you, are you doing trades with people? Is there a community that you're in, you know, in tune with that, Maybe we'll actually donate a synth to you. Has that sort of stuff happened? How, how was this all literally you purchasing all these synths or are there other ways that you acquired some of this stuff? Yeah. So it's pretty much, yeah, all me purchasing stuff, but with, with some help here and there, like several pieces are owned by this guy, Richard, who hit me up years ago and he was like, Hey, uh, I've got some synths. I'd like to donate. Are you a 501c3? And I was like, no, we're not. Uh, but we got talking and he was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to come over and bring, bring over some stuff that you don't have. And I'm going to write up a thing. And I'm going to rent them to you for a year. And he brought over that Korg PS3100, the DK Synergy, oh. the Fairlight, which is in the back waiting to get repaired. And uh, maybe that's all he brought that first time. So he brought those over. This was years ago you know, maybe six years ago. And so, uh, so he, you know, those are on indefinite loan from Richard. So that's a huge help. He also helped me during COVID. I sold a bunch of gear for him, which he paid me commission on. And then he also donated a bunch of synths that weren't working a few years ago with that money. I bought the Elka Synthex and I think the Prophet VS and the Schwayman S1. Uh, so all those were made possible through Richard, I mean, I just couldn't have, you know, I, I think I spent more money on that syntax than any cent in here. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't have done that with my own money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, so it sounds that. like you're not that you, you hear these stories about people going to like garage sales or going to, you know, Goodwill Salvation Army and yeah. just like scoring insane equipment there. So that doesn't sound like it has been the case. I mean, you know, back in the day, I mean, I got some really insane deals for sure. But I was like, you know, I was, but I wasn't like, just like super lucky. I was like super determined. You know, I always mm-hmm. had like several thousand dollars cash on hand waiting for like someone to have like a lot of synthesizers mm-hmm. to sell, you know, or like if I went out of town, I would take a bunch of cash with me and be like looking, I'd be, I'd put out like one of buy ads. Like, you know, if I was going home for Christmas, but like I'd be on Memphis Craigslist, you know, want to buy da, 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 da. And, uh, so, so back then when I was doing a lot of buying and selling and had money, uh, yeah, I was like really, you know, determined, but now it's just, actually I found <laughs> last week I, actually had to borrow some money, but I bought a Moog vocoder at a pawn shop in Hollywood and uh, it wasn't working. So I got a really good deal on it. Yeah, But I, I talked with, before I bought it, I talked with two friends of mine who are techs and they're like, Oh yeah, there's like no rare parts, whatever's wrong with it. It's an easy fix because it it is mostly working. Mm -hmm. Uh, so how so, did you know that that was there? Did you, were you just going around in shops that day or did you get an inside tip? It's been on offer up for months and they just like finally like, and I've just been like looking at it. It was like, it's actually it was, it, like, I've just been thinking about it forever. I just didn't have the money right? and I didn't want to borrow more money, but, uh, but they dropped the price again. So I went and looked at it and then it didn't work. And so talked them down to like 
yeah. an amount that I did feel comfortable borrowing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, cause there again, like I can justify in my mind, like, you know, I got this vocoder for this much, it, you know, I've left myself, you know, room for like a budget of $500 to get it repaired, which will definitely be under $500. I mean, worst comes to worst, all the chips are socketed. I could just replace all the chips myself, wow. you know, and that's going to fix whatever's wrong with it. 90% sure. <laughs> so, and that, and that would not cost 500 bucks, but, but then, you know, it would be worth over twice what I paid for it. So, you know, these are not smart things a- to justify in your mind when you're under a lo- when you owe a lot of money. No, that's the best time to <laughs> yes. justify these things. Trust me. Yeah. You're talking to people who can justify. Right? Can like, justify. Okay, I need to rethink this. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's a way I can get it. I can it. make it work in my brain and I just figured <laughs> it out. Let me just reanalyze well, that. There's map. also a long running sort of uh, in joke with us about like the price of, you know, we, we're all record collectors. So the price mm. of records and if it's like under a certain amount, it's, yeah, practically, practically free. free. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're paying you to get it. We can play that game all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah, I get it. I've just never been in so much debt in my life. I just spent so much money and borrowed money to Moving here, yeah. To yeah. move here. Yeah. When when did you relocate to here? So it like started relocating here the middle of October. I brought down the first load of stuff, which was everything but the synthesizers. And then, uh, and then like a little over a week later, then like the last week of October brought down the rest of the stuff and then like opened it up like first week in November. So coming up on a year. Yep. Almost a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. November is going to be the, the year anniversary month. So we talked a little bit about the, the, decision paralysis when you walk in here. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's just so much you want to touch it all. I mean, I'm seeing things that I stood next to for 45 minutes and didn't even think about turning on when I was here last time. (laughs) And that's, that's kind of crazy to me. Like I, to to come back and then be like, Oh, why, why did I not mess mess with this concussion when I was here or do or play with this thing? Yeah. Um, you know, and I probably wouldn't have touched the Sonic six unless Susie was on it. And then I was like, what, what else is like the weird stuff here? And you pointed out a couple of sins to me. Yeah. And what, what advice do you have for people that are coming here for the first time? Like what, because I looked at the website, I looked at all the synths, I looked Mm -hmm. at how the things are set up. It is not the same as being in the room with all this stuff. Like there's nothing to kind of prepare you for how many damn synthesizers you have in here. Yeah. I I don't know. Like it, 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 you know, obviously it's different, like case by case, like people, different people have different creative processes but i would definitely suggest looking at the list of gear and and narrowing down your options before you get here uh, on the website there's a list of of all the mixers and uh you just like it says mixer one you click on it and then it brings up another page that lists all the synths that are going into mixer one you know maybe just pick some pick a mixer <laughs> you know and just like limit yourself to like that area for some amount of time yeah. but you know, otherwise, you know, you'll just end up doing what everybody else does, which is, you know, how many cents can I touch in an hour, you know, which is fun too. Absolutely. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think even if you came here and didn't record and you had no goal of recording and you just wanted to play some cool keyboards and hear some cool sounds, I mean, I think it's well worth it. Oh yeah. People do that all the time. Yeah. I think it's, it's just a, a fun for me as a synth nerd, it's a like super fun place to be and to look at all this stuff and to see some of these things that you've only ever heard about or seen pictures of, and you can actually touch it and play with it and patch it. And, you know, like that, that's a a special thing. The ability to also use this as a recording studio, which, which it is right. It's fully set up to record anything is, uh, is like an added bonus. (laughs) See that, that kind of goes feeds back into like the, the whole, like calling it the vintage synth museum. And also in my mind, the connection to the pinball museum. Mm -hmm. Cause like, like it's like, pinball museum something fun to do on like a saturday night like like and and this is the same way like this doesn't have to be serious you're recording like you know but then again i mean there's no reason to not be recording everything's just hooked up to record i always say record everything (laughs) yes exactly exactly so i mean but but yeah it's just a fun place i mean there's so many areas like where things are all synced up like the 808 
is sending triggers to the arpeggiator clocks of the three Jupiters. So just like right there, you know, you can like have like a whole like song going. And the same thing here, the 606, 303, Syncussion, 909, they're all synced up together. So it's like, you don't even need to know how to play music. You know, just hit start on the 606, they're all going. And, uh, and you just turn a couple knobs. So like, you don't have to be like a musical genius to come in here and have like a really good time. Yeah. And potentially make music. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a, a nice way to think about it because there's so many options and so much that you can do. And like, I, I was thinking of today sort of as a field trip of like noise extra goes to the vintage synth museum yeah, where we yeah. kind of come in and we can check out the place and we yeah. can talk about it with you. And it, it can feel like that. Like you can rent time for just yourself here, right? You can, mm -hmm. you can rent time. You, it's a little bit extra if you want to, you know, per person, if you want to bring right. a group, but again, you could have six people in here at different mixers playing different things, all recording individually yeah. and everyone could do their own thing or things together. And then however that works. Right. Yeah. So I, I also want to note with the pricing. So it, it, it goes up per person, but it, it doesn't, it just goes up a little bit per person. Yes. So, so if, if you get more people together and then divide it equally, then it's much cheaper. Then, yeah. yeah. Then you're paying less than you would coming in by yourself. Though, you know, I'm a greedy person. I would suggest coming in by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> just have the whole place to yourself. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and you rent it out hourly. Yes. And mm -hmm. what would you recommend people who haven't been here give themselves two hours a little you know just a an hour an hour seems to be if you know what you're doing you can come in and do something but hours go by fast, fast. yeah so in 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 oakland i was i did a two-hour minimum because i just felt like an hour is just nothing yeah. you know and so here I, i've tried like moving down here I, I only raised the price per hour 10 bucks when I, when I moved here and I dropped the two hour minimum, I think I'm going to change. I'm, I'm gonna, I am going to raise the the hourly rate in January and I'm also going to reinstate the two hour minimum, uh, at least for recording. Um, cause just, yeah, an hour is just, is just nothing. As someone who came here and, and recorded and spent two hours, it was, I don't want to scare people off from booking two hours, but it, it didn't feel like enough. I could have spent another oh, yeah. couple hours here. I mean, right. Susie had a, a thing she had to go to and we, kind of, you know, you in your brain, you a lot two hours and then you're here and you're jamming the synthy for 45 minutes. And you're like, well, I want to play with something else now, but I also could just keep playing with this thing. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You got to take yourself into account. It's like if, if you are prone to falling into the infinite, you know, black hole of a synthesizer, then. Yeah. You know, you're going to need some time. Yeah, I could have spent uh, two hours just on the SH5. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, that that that's the thing, too. It's like like the deeper sense like that, you need a lot more than an hour. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you were here to answer questions, help us figure out the recording stuff and everything. So you're on site, obviously, the whole time. But you also uh, made yourself scarce, right? I mean, not scarce, but you you went into your office and you're not you're not here like watching people play synth. You're not judging me for sitting here and just like yanking knobs on the the synthy for an hour like right yeah exactly yeah so yeah that's another thing that that doesn't get communicated which is yeah when you come in uh someone will be here to show you the signal flow of the studio and then and then and then you know we're getting out of your way yeah we can knock know? on the door if we have exactly. a question or need assistance yeah. or want to yeah. know something more yeah. about a synth there, there is a camera in the room and cameras all outside the building. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know. No like funny business. Yeah, we're not worried about people like walking out with the synth yeah. or anything. Yeah. I mean, have you ever had problems in your in your existence? Okay. Between you and I? Yeah. Never. All right. There you go. <laughs> Almost yeah. 10 years. Yeah. I've had no problem. People are like all the time. They're like, oh, I don't know how you trust, you know, you know, you know let all these like random people around these instruments. Da, 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 da. Man, you know, everyone who's come in here is like come in here in a spirit of like respect and reverence and uh and creativity. Mm -hmm. And I don't well, another thing, I used to work at a bar that had live music. I was doing booking and stuff and 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 I've always you know been in bands since I was in high school, but but especially after like working with bands, I was just like, whatever I do with the rest of my life, I want to work with musicians. You know, like that's, you know, that's yeah. the people I want to be around and, and, and that's who comes in here and specifically weirder musicians. <laughs> right. So, uh, 
yeah, like this just attracts the best people. Well, you blew my mind earlier when you said that you didn't have a, a project currently, but you know, the more you're talking, it seems like you know, this is your project. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the way I looked at it too. When I was like doing booking and stuff, I did way less music, mm -hmm. but I was getting that itch scratched. Yeah. Through that. yeah. It's all part of it. It's mm -hmm. all, totally. it's all part of it's, the components. It's important. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had schools come in for field trips? As Gray mentioned, a field trip. Have you ever had that? Yeah, have had that. There's some school here or I don't know if they're accredited some called IO Academy or something. I don't know. They they had a field trip here a couple of weeks ago. That was awesome. They all had to pick like two synths and do something with them. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. It was, it was, yeah, it was really cool. And they were all like, they're again, like super cool folks. Uh, the, the instructor and all the students were really cool. And in the Bay area, the um, Modesto junior college has got uh, an electronic music program with this old school dude, David Dow. And, uh, and he would bring his class in every semester. And there's somebody um, that I'm getting with next Thursday from some other local place that's going to come take a look at the spot. But, but not as much as you would think. Yeah, I think it'd be so mm -hmm. fun. I yeah, mean, I, for sure. Music or yeah, just any sort of you know a science field trip in in junior high or something. I think would be what a fun place to go. Well, hey, if any science teachers are right. listening, <laughs> bring them here. This would be a fun. This would be so even, fun. Even like Please. you know doing doing certain music programs in college. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, definitely, totally. Yeah, you you know it's funny. It's the whole time I was in Oakland, Mills College, never. You know, never yeah. did anything with Mills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I mean, and, and I was friends with several like Mills alumnus. The only one that I even, well, I know like two that came over and I was dating one of them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, super weird. So are there any essentials that you have to have on hand to maintain your equipment? I mean, having an on-site <laughs> repair person would, yeah. would be the, the real essential, which I did have in, in Oakland, more yeah. or less. Uh, my friend Al, uh, when I met him, he was like doing these like pretty like deep modifications to like the TR-606 and some other things. And through working with me, you know, worked on every synth imaginable and is like a formidable tech. I mean, he's just like really smart and super determined. And so like, you know, where most people will be like, okay, I'm done with this. Al will see it through, <laughs> which is amazing, especially in a, in a tech. Uh, but yeah, having him around the last few years in Oakland was. Techs and determination. Got it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, as far as me, I mean, I, you know, like we're saying like, you know, I can replace, you know, if, if, a if a knob goes out, I can replace a potentiometer, or, you know, just, you know, really basic things. So I'm, I'm not a dependable force in keeping these synths alive. What about things like simple day-to-day -day things like we were, you know, you're discussing the power. I mean, that's how, have you ever, have you come into any other problems with that? You know, especially around here, sometimes, you know, power outages, things go out. Does that ever affect the synths in any, in any negative way, stuff like that? Is there just a little weird minutia day-to-day -day sort of stuff like that? I, it's hard for me to tell, but on, on really hot days when, when the power is dragging, like I'll get some like weird errant noises from like, the the Wurlitzer and the Rhodes, which both have like built-in speakers. We got like weird stuff from that. Uh but but yeah, mostly just like just like the super hot summer days. I've noticed some some weirdness, but that's that's it. But there again, you know, I'm still like under a year here. So right. I'm still observing. <laughs> <laughs> and and what are the hours of the museum when what are the hours that people can book and what how do people go about booking time here mm. uh if you want to book just just email me and the, the contact is on the the website or or just google vintage synth museum 
Um, we'll have the link up yeah, on the show page. We'll, we'll link it up directly. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, people can call too, but all the confirmation I do through email so I can keep it all organized there. But hours are pretty much whatever people, you know, want to do. I mean, I, I've got listed from 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. because those are the hours that I would prefer to work in. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely willing to get here way earlier and I'm definitely willing to stay here way later or maybe pay someone for me to stay later. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but, and any day. Any day. Seven days a week. Holidays included. Cool. Whatever. Well, Thanksgiving uh, synth party. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's possible. So this is just your life, man. You you love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely love it. Definitely sure. hate it sometimes, too. I mean, yeah. Like, like I said, anyone's life, right? Yeah. It, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it, it has its fair share of like stre- stresses for sure. But um, but the but overall, it's this, this is where you want to be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like when people aren't here, I get to play with synths. When people are here, they're just fucking stoked. I yeah, mean, yeah, 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 right. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, no shit. Like, like in all the time, and and like I said, you know, when people come in, I, I go in the back, and I can't hear everything that's going on out here, so it's not. It doesn't really affect me, but. But in all the time I've been doing this, there's really only been like one project that I've heard and maybe I had to engineer for the person, but, uh, where I was just like, I do not want to be around this, you know, <laughs> Why? Why? and right. I've been around yeah. hundreds, you know, of, of, you know, of, of projects. I I can't even imagine what that one must've sounded like for you to <laughs> be that. It wasn't even bad. Yeah. It, it was just like, it was like so bland. It was like the boiled chicken of music. And I was just like, I don't know. Like it just something about it just, it just like hit the wrong way. Yeah, like, no. yeah. But uh but other than that, I've never had anybody come in and I was like, oh, this sucks. You know, or like, or I don't want to be around it. I'm always just like very interested to see like what people are doing with synths with their music. Uh yeah. I'm I'm stoked. Is that just a futuristic turntable or does it have another function? <laughs> well, it does have another function. It's also uh, a tuner and an eight track. Yeah, I saw the eight track. Oh, there it is. I see it now. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's function is only as a, as a decoration. So that's actually another thing I wanted to talk about here. The decor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like yeah. we're in some very like seventies looking clear, like black lucite chairs. <laughs> There's the sort of orange, uh, upholstered and Brown office chair, like mm-hmm. rolling office chairs at some of the stations. There's these strange cube things. Where did you find the decor for this place? Well, that, that, that one like circular lamp up there. Yeah. I think that is the oldest thing I own. I got it at the Goodwill on Chippewa street in St. Louis, Missouri, when I was probably 18 or 19, I remember I was with my mom. Uh, she must've been up visiting. So I've had that, I'm, you know, I've had that for, I don't know, almost 30 years. And, uh, and then I found a matching one at the Pasadena flea market a few months ago. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but actually, so like the, this table and chairs and those, those funky office chairs, all that came from like this, like vintage, furniture place in like Guerneville, uh, which is north of the, of, uh, of the bay, uh, like right before I moved. Okay. I was, I was just like, need some, need some furniture. So this, this yeah. stuff wasn't necessarily in place in the, or wasn't in place in the, it was not, in the old like studio. The, like the, those chairs wouldn't have even really fit in the, in the Oakland spot. This okay. definitely wouldn't have fit, but there was like a, this is, you know, essentially like the desk, Yeah, <laughs> you know, for, for the, the studio desk. Um, and it's spacious in here. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. spacious. So, so yeah, so I needed to to fill. Well, it needed chairs. I had the space to fill, and I was like, it needs to look good. It looks really cool. Here. I, I like so. these uh, like wall tapestries too. There's the the like yeah uh, needlepoint mushrooms over right. there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so all the, yeah everything Latch else carpet drapery. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff's all like pretty old stuff. I've just had kicking around yeah but the but yeah the table and chairs were, were bought specifically for okay, this space also was it a korg that drum midi thing it looks like a small snare drum oh no yeah that's the that's the moog moog sorry Mo, moog what drum is that? controller so just it, to play drums on and yeah it's just it's just a little it just has a little piezo in it and, and when you hit it 
the piezo vibrates and then it sends those vibrations. We've got it hooked up to the micro Moog. So uh, the initial hit triggers the envelope generator. And then depending on how hard you hit it, you know, it'll make it vibrate more. The more it vibrates, the more it like opens up the filter and the higher the pitch goes. So, and then wow. the, the, I've never seen one of those. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty rare, all those Moog accessories are, are pretty rare. And this, this zone does have a tiny stage. Have you ever done shows or is that something you would consider doing or absolutely not? No. And yes. And yeah. yes. <laughs> so, so November 19th, I think I need to contact them and see how they're going to do the, the tickets. But uh, this local label called Error Grid, they do kind of. Oh, yeah. My friend uh, Jeff Swearingen works with them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do like dark ambient industrial esque. I mean, it, you know, it varies, but, you know, in that vein. And they're having like a label showcase kind of thing here in the middle of November. So that's going to be like the first kind of like try it out uh, mm. kind of like proper show. Like, look, we do that second Sunday synthesizer sound bath here, but that's just like people laying on the floor for two hours. This is going to be like seated. And I think, so we're going to aim to have like 40 chairs in here. And Very so cool. we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm sure we'll do it again. It's just going to, you know, just going to see like, um, you know, how much it costs to rent the chairs, how much it costs to like rent a sub. And just how it goes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See how it goes. Maybe 40 people's, maybe 40 chairs is too many chairs. I, I don't know. Yeah. So, but there's also, I'll show y'all in a minute, there's this backyard area and there's also going to be an event, not a show, but an event October 22nd. Um, there's this, this zine, uh, Synth History. They're coming out with their second zine and they're having like the release party here October 22nd and there'll be DJs back there. But, but, and I want to do more shows out there, but I have to rent the space from the landlord. Gotcha. So, so there's yeah. a pretty big overhead to do shows back there. Um, when you say zine, this is like a perfect bound 120 some page book. I know. So it's yeah. like, yeah. I'm actually not familiar with this synth history magazine, but uh, this looks pretty awesome. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. It's really cool. And uh, she's got, a um a well-followed instagram account also has like a bunch of like cool informative posts so um, do you sell these here do you sell any synth sort of ephemera or fidget synthesizer museum merchandise yes so i i sell those for dan's when i when i get them in um and i've got there's still i've got two shirts that i've had made that I'm almost out of. Um, and yeah. And then there's like a couple cents for sale in there, but. Oh, that's the shop then. Yeah. That has no, nothing to tell anyone that that's the, <laughs> the shop. I'm, I'm like, I'm sure. a very good salesman. <laughs> I have to say, there's one thing I'm good at. It's like selling stuff, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you can book time here through VintageSynthesizerMuseum.com uh, or the phone number, but all the confirmation you said is done via email, right? Mm -hmm. And the phone's only active like 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., I believe, or you're kind of... Dude, people call me at all hours. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, well, never mind. The phone's active all the time, <laughs> but email's uh, probably best. And yeah. we're in Highland Park mm -hmm. and uh, just, just off the beaten path a, a tiny bit. And there's tons of awesome stuff in here. So uh, I think we're also going to do a little sort of video walkthrough and yes. show mm -hmm. off the space a little bit so people can see it. But your best bet is to come here and see it and put your hands on some cool, rare old synthesizers, make some sounds, make some noise. Uh, seriously, I just came in and, and jammed on the AKS like for, <laughs> you know, 45 <laughs> minutes. And like you said, there's only been one person here who his music he didn't like, and it, it wasn't mine. So <laughs> if I can just like poorly play a super noisy synth here, so can you. And our, so for our patrons, the extra segment today will be a video segment. So pop on over to the Patreon and check that out. 
Thank you so much. This is so cool. Everyone come visit the Vintage Synth Museum. I know. I'm already plotting when we're coming in oh, to I know. record. It's, yeah, yeah. This so. is... <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I can't describe how fun and exciting. Like, these are... I, I don't want to just say, like, they're toys as well as instruments, but they look so fun. I want to touch everything in here. The buttons are so satisfying. Tactile they're so heaven. clean. Oh, my <laughs> God. I can't even handle it. And they're on. They're all on. Yes. You can just go one to the next. You can play 25 cents in a row. It's wonderful. Book more than two hours if you're doing it's that. True. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Lance. Thank you. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.